Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher. I'm Matt Cable, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Zach Pierce. Uh, I'm coming to you from snowy, picturesque uh, Boulder, Colorado. Snowy, what? Covered, we got a couple inches of snow. I drove in this morning into town and snow just uh, covered the flat irons, nice dusting on the mountains. It was, uh, it was, it was, there was a low lay, layer of fog over the Boulder Valley. So then I descended into the fog. It was, it was really um, one of those idyllic days wow. uh, to live in the People's Republic. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it. Well, it's a, uh, it's, it's a little chilly here. It's in the upper 60s. What? High 60s. I know. Is that I'm why you're chilly. wearing that parka? Yeah, that's why I'm wearing, wearing the parka. You're wearing the Michael J. Fox Back to the Future parka vest thing, puffy vest. I'm a little. The only the only downside to it being so warm all the time is that uh, you don't get to wear all the good hoodies. Yeah. All these great hoodies never get to wear them, mm. except when I go to camp, which I'm doing this weekend. Yeah, going to El, El Camino Pines, our local Lutheran camp, uh, where I'm going to be the featured speaker. Uh, for high schoolers, it's very exciting. <laughs> um, with the theme of remix. Phil Collins. That's right. <laughs> You're speaking about Genesis all weekend to to high school youth. <laughs> <That'd be> amazing. <laughs> You're just so relevant, Matt. That's look, kids. I don't know if you've ever heard of the. The classic single, Su Studio. <laughs> but I'd, I'd like to introduce you to it. <laughs> I may have some Phil Collins today, Matt. What? I know. I'm becoming relevant myself. Oh, my goodness. So anyway, I'm going up to uh, going up to the mountains this weekend. And I do like being up in the mountains and wearing my hoodie. So I'm excited about that part. And I'm excited about the the theme is remix, looking at the gospel through new eyes, the remix. youth leadership. No, they came up with that all on their own. But I'm excited. It fits, uh, you know, it's a very vinyl preacher-esque yeah. kind of a theme. So I'm excited to play some music. Icky, icky, icky. <laughs> yes, just like that. Just <laughs> like that. We're pretty up. Not much happening here, Matt. We're slowing down, man. The 19th is uh, actually, I'll probably be pretty much by myself that Sunday. We'll, we'll still do it. We have non-students and students who are around, but uh, our students get the whole week of Thanksgiving off. Uh, nice. So most folks will have ghosted out, and that'll be my last responsibility for programmatic stuff until uh, for a week. So I'll get some office work done, which is exciting. Yeah, good, good. And by the end of that week, by the end of this week that we're talking about, I'll be clean-shaven. Which would be fantastic. I have uh, some people observe No Shave November in order to support prostate health. And I want to be very clear that while I support good prostate health, uh, the facial hair that I support in November has has no good intentions. My family is involved in an annual uh, Thanksgiving tradition called FOTU, the Feast of the Unloved, uh, which is going on now well past 15 years of being observed here in the Front Range area in Denver, Boulder metro area, uh, started by runners, post-collegiate runners who moved to Boulder to try to make it as professional runners and they didn't have enough money to go home. Uh, so they did Thanksgiving together. And now that's kind of how I got into it through my uh, through being in the running world. But one of the things, uh, in addition to all the debauchery that happens at FOTU, there is a, a tournament-style shuttle run in the street. It's very important that it happens on an active street. As the event has grown, so so has uh, so have the offerings of the event. There are multiple divisions. There's a men's race, a women's race, and a kids race. Again, run entirely in the street, and that happens immediately after th- after Thanksgiving dinner, but prior to dessert. It's a good idea. One time I won. 
I was a champion, Matt. I'm a, I'm a snow runner. Uh, it snowed a couple inches, and we ran on the snow. The shuttle run went on, but I brought these things called yak tracks, which are these things you put on your shoes that give you grip like in the snow, and I was the only person to think of that. So I won that year. I don't think I'll win this year. I've, I've heard who's on the list, and it's a pretty pretty impressive list. But the other thing is you have to have a mustache uh, that you grow during the month of November. Uh, so peer pressure uh, and a debaucherous Thanksgiving uh, dinner is is the reason for my facial hair. I don't want any. I don't want anyone to see this stuff on my face and be like, wow, that's hideous. But look like look at what he's putting up with in order to support prostate health. No, no good intentions. You know, you, uh, dear listener, can't see Zach. So let me just describe to you. If you've ever seen a picture of Chewbacca, that is <laughs> basically what Zach's face looks like right actually, now. Actually, Matt, I have a reverse Hitler mustache. <laughs> Which, if you have to have one or the other, you want the reverse, not the extra. That's true. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Yeah, I can grow no facial hair in the middle. So it's just two separate mustaches, which are fine enough after a month of growth, but still nothing happens in the middle. There's a... What's the novel that you read in in, an English class in high school about the First World War? I don't know. Oh... It's, uh, it's the no man's land. It's like the trench warfare is going on in my nose. <laughs> and no one shall cross. November. It's an exciting month. I don't know, man. I feel like it's time. I think it's T4T time for the text. It's autumnal, autumnal. I don't know. Who knows? Time for the text. Which is great because the texts talk about time. What? <sighs> Man. Man, we get into these November texts. We get into late November. We start getting uh, a whole lot of apocalyptic imagery and oh, starting to talk about uh, some of those Advent themes of waiting, um, but in a very intense way. Uh, here in this first reading from Zephaniah, we're going to use the complimentary reading. Zephaniah 1, 7, uh, 12 to 18. The day of the Lord. Uh, is your primary image here, just blazing forth the day of the Lord. In fact, there's even a a section, the kind of third section here in this passage, uh, repeats day in every single line. You can imagine uh, some really great spoken word poetry. If so, you got a really good reader. I mean, here's a here's an opportunity. The great day of the Lord is near. The son of the day of the Lord is bitter. That day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin, a day, a day, a day, a day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hammering that home. Uh, but you might think, usually we think about night and day, and we think about uh, night being a time of doom and gloom, uh, and daytime being a time of sunshine. Here comes the sun. Da, 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 da. But here, uh, the day, <laughs> the day is a time of doom and gloom. It's really terrifying. It's a bummer, it's a terrifying, man. It's a terrifying picture that's painted here. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, uh, if you really want a, a line that's going to bring out how terrifying this is, the passage ends this way. For a full and terrible end you will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. Word of God. <laughs> word of life. Thanks be to God, Matt. That's... I mean, I mean, sometimes you get a reading like this from the Testament, and it'll be like really, really scary, and then it'll take like this left turn at the end, right? Like mm-hmm. the last verse, but... I, it'll be like this this nice left turn at the end. You'd be like, phew, okay. No, but no, you don't even get the left turn. It just, mm. it just ends like... Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them. Yeah, and that, I think, is where we get uh, to some good news, maybe? I think so. I think if you were to take this and um, 
if you want to use a more uh, familiar passage as a lens uh, to think about Mary's song, think about the magnificent, the magnificat, excuse me, of the, the poor being lifted up, the rich being brought low. That's, that's what's happening here too, right? Um, it's kind of this, this warning to folks that are comfortable and think that um, the day of the Lord is just going to be even more comfortable than it is mm-hmm. now. It's saying, uh, be careful, be careful what you wish for, because this is God's going to turn things upside down. If you're the kind of person that uh, has the silver and gold to spend, you're going to find you're going to you may have it taken away from you. Maybe a little bit different. Mm. Uh, and I don't think I, I think if you want to um, hold out some hope here and get to the gospel, which we eventually do, the way that I kind of like I wrote this down in the margins of my notes. Um, you're gonna you're gonna be saved. Like we're all we're all gonna be saved eventually. Uh, but it's gonna hurt. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. Like it's going to this is going to take some concrete. Um, God's going to make some concrete uh, changes in our lives, changes in our common life, uh, reshaping of us. And that's I mean, it's going to happen and it's grace. But sometimes grace burns. Oh, grace burns. Interesting. Right? Matt, have you um, have you seen any of the Stranger Things? I have uh, like season season two or season any which, of it. I've seen a season and a half. I'm so, we're still a working season our way and a half. through season. Good. I think we can make this work then, okay? Because I think <laughs> a part of what, what these texts today, and, and certainly the text you've got, is opening up, is that the kingdom of God might be a bit like uh, the Upside Down, right? If you haven't seen Stranger Things, you should do it. It's really fun, especially if you're of our vintage, because you're going to nostalgia so hard, because you're like, wait a second, this is the Goonies. Wait, wait a second. I don't know if you've gotten there, Matt, but there's a Jurassic Park uh, thing that's definitely going to happen. This is the Gremlins, right? Um, it's all happening there. So much nostalgia. Anyway, all you need to know is it's a kind of a mystery science fiction kind of thing where there is an upside down version of our reality. Uh, it's a scary, terrifying place. Uh, the atmosphere there is toxic, so don't go walking in there by yourself. You can help it, and there's some monsters and stuff. But it's uh, there's a really good scene in which uh, Eleven, our heroine, heroine, uh, tries to describe the place where their friend Mike has gone, and uh, she takes a game board and flips it upside down and points to the board. And that's a part of what this text is doing, is saying the world you know, full of silver and gold, that's not God's world. Uh, Zephaniah is taking the board, flipping it upside down, and pointing to the backside of the board. Yeah, and if I can take that one step farther, I think I think one thing that it challenges us with is which side of the upside down are we on? Ooh. Right? Are we the, are we the monster? Mm. <laughs> right? Because we I mean we always like assume like which side of this thing that we're on, but um, I mean it's it I think it's supposed to throw that into question, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Matt, I think we just came up with the plot line for Stranger Things season three. <laughs> <laughs> it's all from the perspective of the demigorgon <laughs> right are we the demigorgon we are the demo dogs man <laughs> i mean i do think like it's a compound demo dogs demo dogs <laughs> <laughs> i i do think like so the exegesis so i it's a little bit crazy, right? Here we're talking about Stranger Things and we're comparing ourselves to Demogorgons. But uh, but in some sense, like, this is what sin looks like, right? To be this voracious, like, all you want to do is consume everything oh. around you, right? I mean, like, that's, that's what it looks like. Oh and I think gosh. to bring it concrete, like, um, 
I've been uh, reading Ta-Nehisi Coates' latest, and I sound like a broken record. I just listen to the same records over and over. Uh, but I'm reading his latest, We Were Eight Years in Power, which is a series of essays from the Obama years. But he puts it into context, um, into the context of Reconstruction in the United States, and he does so much history um, tracing um, not just the era of the Civil War, but all the time since then. And you listen to it as a white person and compare your the history that I got uh, growing up in my white suburban school uh, in the North, in the Midwest, right? Uh, and comparing that with all the things that I've learned since then. And you realize that you are more Demogorgon than you thought, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and what does that mean? Where do we go from here? And all those kinds of questions that get opened. But I think that that's part of, I think that's part of what Zephaniah is doing here, right? Is trying mm-hmm. to like flip that board upside down and say, hey, <laughs> Mm-hmm. You're playing on the wrong side of the board, man. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, so that's what I got for Zephaniah. I like it, Matt. That blood shall be poured out like dust, <laughs> flesh like dung. Uh, you can't preach good news out of that, <laughs> right, man? Well, Matt, if if it's difficult to find good news in Zephaniah, don't worry. It's just as difficult to find good news in the Matthew for this week. If you just listen to it without any context, we get a story, another little parable, right? Uh, And it begins, very important to listen to how it begins, for it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. them. And to one he gave five talents, and to another he gave two, and another one, each according to their ability, which is an interesting, I don't know what to make of that, man. And so the one who received five talents went off uh, at once and traded with them and made five more talents out of those talents, ten talents, kind of like... Uh, the demigorgons uh, uh, breeding and becoming greater and greater until all of a sudden you have a herd, a herd of demi-dogs like velociraptors. And, and in the same way, the one who was given two talents did the same and turned those two talents into two more talents, but the one who had received one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Uh, and after a long time, the master of those slaves comes and settles the accounts and the first... Uh, the first servant says, hey, look, I turned your five into five. And he says, well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. And so I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Another interesting phrase. And the one who, uh, the one with two talents also came forward saying, I did the same thing. I made those two talents. I turned them into two more talents. And he says, well done, good and trustworthy slave. We got a refrain. Uh, you have been trustworthy in a few things. And I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Another one who had one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. I knew that you reaped where you did not sow and gathered where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid. And so I hid your talent in the ground here. Now you have what you uh, what is yours. You are now made whole. But his master replied, you wicked and lazy slave. You knew you knew that I did not that I reap where I did not sow and that I gather where I did not scatter seed. Uh, you ought to have invested my money with bankers and in return. I would have received what was mine with interest so take the talent from him they take that talent from him and they give it to the one with the ten talents for all who have will be uh, given more and they will have an abundance but from those who have nothing even what they have will be taken away and as for this soul who's worthless slave throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, Matt praise to you O Christ right uh, so that hits the ears like butter, like pouring scalding hot butter on your ears. Um, 
Yeah, what do you do there? I mean, it's almost the the ending is almost the on a first reading. It's almost the opposite of like a Magnificat, right? Where there's yeah. going to be this great reversal, and this is like, no, no, <laughs> right? We uh, we talked a little bit last week about how contradictory the Bible can be. Right. Uh, that um, that the the wise bridesmaids refuse to give their portion of oil to anyone else. Uh, in contrast to what Jesus said earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, and anyone asks, uh, give of them, give your your shirt and your coat. But there's also some context coming up. Uh, uh, spoilers: If you're reading ahead to Christ the King next week, it's the the rest of chapter 25, and it's a very different tone. Uh, it's still harsh, but it's the substance is different. Jesus says that when the Son of Man comes, that the King will say to those at his right hand, those who are blessed, that I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick. You took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Which seems to me, Matt, uh, to be just categorically different than what we've heard uh, much of the past two weeks, including today. Is that fair, do you think? Yeah, at least on a surface reading, right? <laughs> at least from our, from our first reading, yeah, definitely. Um, so the other place, the key, I think, is that first verse. It's uh, verse 14 there. Uh, a little difficult because we're, we're coming off of a story that said uh, the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Uh, but this story does not say that. It says, for it is as if a man going on a journey. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is not referenced here. Um, so I think we need to be open to the possibility that this is not a story about what the kingdom of heaven is like, but perhaps um, could be a story about what the kingdom of humans are like, right? We've got to figure out, uh, Jesus has done this really good job. I think Jesus has done a really good job. That's a thing that Jesus needed me to say. Jesus is just sitting around waiting for me to affirm his work. <laughs> to this point, Jesus has done a really good job of painting a picture of what this other world looks like. So I think at this point, getting very, very far along in the story, we're in chapter, the end of chapter 25 here, uh, the cross is, is just around the corner of, let's say, look, there are two sides to this board. Um, and the trouble of this week is to figure out which side are we on. Ooh, Woody Guthrie going to be on the uh, on the playlist, <laughs> or is that a SPC? Or, um, it's folk music. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. So, which side of the board are we on? Are we talking about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of earth? How do you tell the difference? I think this is a story about telling the difference. Melina um, and Rohrbach call it a story that illustrates a peasant truth or a truism, right? That the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Unfortunately, there's so much distance between the cultural context of the text and our text that that truism isn't true anymore. Uh, so if it's difficult for us to, wait a second, is that, no, nope, it still works, right? The, the rich get richer? Still works. Still works, okay, okay, good. I was hoping that we'd we had radically changed the economic system over the past 2,000 years, but you're saying no there, Matt. Sadly. Pushing back on that. Interesting. Uh, the other thing you want to probably want to contrast this story with is um, that we have one story of justice that is just categorically different, not only to the rest of chapter 25, but to the justice that, that comes from the cross, which is only a couple pages away for us now. So all of that is for me to support the argument that this is not a story about the kingdom of God, but a story about uh, the kingdom of humans the scary version of the upside down, not the 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 God filled version of the upside down. Yeah, and maybe I'm like I mean if the law is to show us if in part to show us um, how far we fall short. I mean this is this is this is the the ethic of empire used against itself, right? To sort of hold up this mirror to the world to say 
to show just how horrifying it is, right? Because we mm-hmm. we live and walk. If we live and walk in the uh, in the upside down, in the demogorgon side of the upside down, but we think it's normal. Yeah, <laughs> this is almost that like, wait, what? Like you you experience it as the upside down, and I think that's this is Jesus flipping the board over, right? Maybe that's the demogorgon. And yet, right, I think what's interesting about using this upside-down metaphor is the upside-down is a version of our reality. Yeah. It's not completely different. It's uh, it's the same place, but different, right? It's just upside-down. Um, and so maybe a part of if you were, where, where we're looking to, to bend this into some hope and good news um, is like the echoes of Zephaniah, the grace that burns, the costly grace, that, that the kingdom of heaven is coming in the same way that the kingdom of earth is coming. And that those who have much, those who do not offer mercy will not have a lot to lose, right? Those who have silver and gold will lose everything that you may endure. That on one hand, it's a word of comfort for those of us who have to endure this world, um, the realities of this world. But it's also, I think, the good news that those among us who may not have the silver and gold, you've got nothing to lose. And that if you abound yourself in that, um, here's the paradoxical mystery thing. If you are filled with abundance of the, the, the nothingness of Jesus um, that calls you to give everything away, if that is the stuff that makes us blessed, which is what the Gospel of Matthew says, you will be more and more blessed in the eyes of God. Yeah. Take those beatitudes and use that to interpret it. Yeah. Sure. That was just a couple weeks ago. The Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, right, if you have no mercy— um, the blessedness that God shows to the merciful, uh, even even the, the nuggets, uh, the crumbs will be taken away from you. Love it. Both. Also, a couple, couple more nuggets that can help you dig this, right? There's no mention of the kingdom of God. You should know that. Then a part of, we do have some cultural difference here, right? And that's that they were not capitalist. Capitalism didn't exist in the ancient Near East. And you can read, and it is a critique of capitalism, but not intentionally. Um, and rather than capitalism, because one of the things that capitalism assumes is that we can continue to grow economy uh, forever, at least our version of, of capitalism, I think. I'm not an economist, but capitalism is built on economic growth more than anything. And they did not understand that economies could grow. Uh, in fact, like especially among peasant life, that there was, uh, there was limited good is what Molina and Warbach call it. So to take more than your share was morally wrong because there was just this much. We had one pizza— and so if you took more than your share, you were taking it always from someone else. And we kind of see the world upside down to that, right? If I'm getting more, it's never I'm never taking it away from someone else. I'm always just creating new wealth. But that's, that's also a myth to us, right? Uh, that's a lie. And so burying the master's money was the most honorable and faithful thing a person could do because they weren't growing it because that was uh, shameful. Um, and they couldn't put it in the bank, which is what he told them to do. He should have done. Put it in the bank and collect interest. Interest is against the law. Sure, he's not uh, kosher, right? Uh, also, in his self-description, he admits to being a thief. I reaped where I did not sow, and I gathered where I did not scatter seed. By definition, that person is a thief. Do not compare this person to Jesus or to God, please, because I don't think that's who this is. <sighs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's consistent with the, the kinds of readings that we've been doing for the last several weeks. Um, we to go. We've re-understood Matthew. Boom. I'm reading it differently. Right. Yeah. Let's bounce back to those. Like we had three in a row that were uh, stories about a man, a king, a man, a landowner, 
uh, that really emphasize the man. And we get it again here. Um, I feel like I feel like I'm just getting to know Matthew, and now we got to say goodbye. Oh, adios, Matthew. We'll see you again in a couple years. There's good news in that, right? We found some good there news. Is. I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so. What are you? Uh, what are you listening to as you go through your your good mm. news, Matt? Matt, I was tempted to do some Phil Collins, but I didn't. I didn't. You didn't. I didn't. Instead, I went Bruce Hornsby. Right. Uh, yes. In a lot of ways, this story is a story about the way it is. And Bruce Hornsby and the ranges, the way it is, is just a classic. And if you actually listen to the lyrics, because mostly I've heard it sampled, and we're going to talk about the samples here in a minute. Uh, the lyrics are pretty good. Uh, that last verse, well, they passed a law in 64 to give those who ain't got a little more, but it only goes so far because the law don't change another's mind when all it sees at the higher end time is the line on the color bar. No, no, that's just the way it is. Some things will never change. He's talking about the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, man, pretty good. It gets sampled, of course, in changes, which I think has already been on the the, the playlist before from Tupac. Uh, sampled in a number of things. I'm gonna gonna add to the list uh, a sample that didn't get a lot of publicity. It's off Snoop Dogg's uh, 2008 album Ego Trippin'. It's a weird album. I looked at it, man. It includes a, a a collaboration with Snoop Dogg, the guy from Everlast, and. Uh, <laughs> And Willie Nelson, uh, My Medicine. It's not good. Don't listen to that one. This one's pretty okay. It's not great. But it's called Can't Say Goodbye. Uh, Snoop Dogg featuring Charlie Wilson. The last track on the album, uh, they sample Bruce and the way it is. And I think it has to do with like which uh, side are we on and do we want to leave, right? I'm a man. I got to take care of my family, fighting these pressures in my life. I know my mind should be on shining and getting Grammys, but these streets won't say goodbye. I can't say goodbye to the blocks, goodbye to the hood, goodbye to the streets. Sometimes when you got a little silver and gold, it's hard to to go through a gross like tree stump into the other side, which is pretty icky and radioactive, it seems. But finally, right. man. Yeah. Saving the best, Bruce, for, best for last. Bruce Hornsby. Bruce Hornsby. But it gets better, Matt. Uh, oh, okay. This isn't like relevant, okay? We're not doing relevant this week on the podcast. We're just doing classics. And you know, Matt, I, uh, I know a man who's got a lot to lose. Uh, he's a pretty nice fella, kind of confused. He's got muscle in his head that never been used. Uh, he thinks he owns half this town, and he goes out drinking and gets a big red nose. He beats his old lady with a rubber hose, and he takes her out to dinner and buys her new clothes. And you know what, Matt? That just seems to be the way the world goes round. The world goes round. That's the way the world goes round by John Prine, American hero, uh, greatest songwriter we may ever know. Fantastic. Description of reality songs. Absolutely. Do you know I saw uh, Bruce Hornsby for like two songs at Coachella because he, Bonnie Bear, Bonnie Bear played Coachella. He was like one of the sub headliners. Subheads. And uh, yeah, and uh, and he's he's playing right. And they're always like bringing out guests at Coachella, and all of a sudden like you hear the you hear the piano lines from the end of the Innocence, which is mm. actually a Don Henley song, but it's written by Bruce Hornsby. The mm. piano's by Bruce Hornsby, and he brings out Bruce Hornsby to play it. Oh, and the the person inside of me that loves those songs like the way it is, and uh, and they like it just like it hits that nostalgia. It's got that Stranger Things vibe to it, right? Where it's like, oh, they have this. Oh, oh, it was so good. It made me very excited. It was great. It was mm. great. Bruce Hornsby, he's a classic, Bruce, right? I mean, there's a reason why, like, some of these artists get sampled again mm-hmm. and again. I mean, I, I found, like, the little like little website that tells you what a song, what all a song has been sampled in. And there's just, like, a monster list of people who sampled the way it is. 
I I think I probably found that website when I was, as I'm thinking about Remix mm-hmm. <laughs> and what that looks like. Please talk to the kids um, about Bruce Hornsby. <laughs> right. I mean, in part, like, that's the, the kind of thing that I'm trying to... Okay, here's the catechism. It's 500 years old. Can we make it new? <laughs> With Can we Bruce make it new again? And the what does it look like to, to sample this thing that sounds old and dusty? Anyway, what... Uh, man, it's... um. You know, this is... This is a season of, of waiting, a season of anticipation. Mm. Uh, anticipation. For some folks, it's anticipation for Christmas. For me, Christmas comes December 1st with the release of the new U2 album. What? Songs Man. of experience. Quick question. Do I need to go to the store yes. to pick that up, or are they just going to download it on my phone against my will? It's going to download straight into your brain. <laughs> good. That's that's good. Gonna, that's much more convenient. That's how it's going to work. No, they're going much more old school with this, just releasing singles. And videos, just like as if it was the 90s. They're just going going retro on this thing. All of the above. Um, but they uh, they put out this song. Well, they put out a live version uh, at the beginning of September. And then they just released the, the studio version of a song called The Blackout. And this is, I think this is my favorite of the three songs they put out so far. Although, a week ago, this this I'm not putting this in the playlist just yet. But they put out a song that ended with Kendrick Lamar. Oh, laying down new beatitudes. Blessed are the. Mm. Which made me really excited, <laughs> as uh, faithful listeners might well understand. Um, but uh, yeah, this song, "The Blackout," uh, I think is my favorite of the new tracks uh, because it is. It does kind of let it rip in a in a really great way. Uh, but these lyrics are uh, are pretty fantastic. I mean, any song that starts with the word dinosaur is one that I'm going to be excited about. Uh, but Dinosaur wonders why it still walks the earth. A meteor promises it's not going to hurt. Mm. Earthquakes always happen when you're in bed. The house shakes. Maybe it was something I said. When the lights go out and you throw yourself about in the darkness. I mean, here's here's the day of the mm. Lord. But then, it, but then it shifts when the darkness where you learn to see. In the darkness where you learn to see. And I think we've been talking about the upside down and learning to um, understand uh, ourselves and our world and who God is uh, and having that, um, I don't know, learn to see and understand that in a different way, perhaps especially when the lights go out. <laughs> I think it's a good one. So I'm going to throw that on there. I'm going to throw like that it. on there. Big surprise to everybody. That's my song this week. That's what I got. That's what you got? That's what I got. Oh, man, I want you to say something else. <laughs> that will suffice. It is sufficient. U2's grace is sufficient for thee. Do you not want to? Do you not want to put a journey song on there? No, I don't want to put a journey song on there. When the lights go down in the city. I guess not. We'll save that for later. Matt, here's a, here's a plug I want to make, okay? I do want to plug, uh, we're talking about the text for November 19th. Vinyl Preacher, folks, uh, you're going to have to preach that Sunday, probably. Uh, but I want to speak to the vinyl part of you, because uh, that means we got a, a little day coming up called uh, Small Business Saturday. typically follows Black Friday. And one of the industries, the sectors that is really bought into Small Business Saturday is your local record store. Uh, especially record stores who sell vinyl really push uh, an artist's uh, push going into your record store, buying some vinyl on Small Business Saturday. In fact, I'm going to be heading to my local vinyl store. Uh, I do have a lot of vinyl stores here in Boulder because 
you know. But Dawes, uh, their most recent album was called We're All Gonna Die, right? Which is fantastic. And they're it releasing is. on vinyl, Small Business Saturday only, a live version of the album. They recorded it shows I was at, so that was pretty cool. But the album is called We're All Gonna Live. What? <laughs> We're all gonna live, but it's live. It's the live version. But you can only get it at your local record store Those uh, on Small Business Saturday. So go out, support the vinyl, man. That's good. I like it, yeah. While you're there picking up that Dawes album, you can pick <laughs> up the, the limited edition vinyl single that U2 is putting out on the Black Friday event. I, I tried to go once. I did it a couple years ago because they put out uh, a version of uh, Ordinary Love, and I'm not used to shopping in my local record store mm-hmm. because I just listened to Spotify, which I know is really ironic since we have a... <laughs> and so they were like sold out but this guy was walking out with like a stack of them mm-hmm. and he was and they decided to be really nice to me because i was a rookie they kind of looked at me sympathetically like oh you didn't know that you need to like call ahead and like reserve these albums like, <laughs> so little piece of advice for you if you are gonna if you're not used to doing record store day or i mean small business status friday yeah whatever they call it record um, store day right but yeah like a, it's like a second because there's another record store day in the spring i think um Anyway, if you're not used to going, you might go visit your your local record store mm-hmm. uh, the week before and just Please ask them how it's going to work. Yeah, ask them how it's going to work because sometimes they set them aside for like mm-hmm. faithful customers and stuff like that. But my local record store was really nice to me and took pity on me. Like they clearly took pity on me and gave me a copy and I was very excited. But I didn't know because I was a newbie. So go visit mm. your local record store in advance. We've talked about it a little bit on the podcast before, Matt, but I do, uh, I, in my possession, in my home, I have a console record player from the 60s. My I'm not going to have much to do this week because we don't have programming the week after the 19th. Uh, So my kind of project uh, as I head into Thanksgiving break and Christmas break will be to see if I can rebuild it uh, and make it sound reliably good because it's not reliably good. It's it's sometimes pretty okay. But I want it to be, I think, I don't think it'll be that hard. I'm going to watch a lot of YouTube videos. I'll keep you updated. If I get electrocuted and die, I'm sure you'll find another host. So (laughs) good. Well, good luck with that. Oh, thanks. Thanks. (laughs) All right, Matt. I think more than ever, we can say that today uh, it's been real uh, uh, vinyl. It's been real vinyl. 